0: Chapter eight of Women, Children, Love and Marriage. This is LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Women, Children, Love and Marriage by Catherine Gascoigne Hartley. Section three of children, the tyranny of parents. In the life of every girl and every boy, there comes times when they must and should free themselves from the thraldom of the home. This may sound hard to parents, who desire almost always to keep their children in tutelage and cannot often even think of them except as belonging to the home and to themselves. Yet the young must rebel, must escape from this too closely binding yoke of love. They have to break away from the moorings of safety, to adventure, to find a place for themselves, to get into the world and to establish their own lives as men and women. We should hear much less of trouble between parents and children, if fathers and especially mothers, could be made to understand that the conflict with their growing boys and girls is not a personal conflict, that it has nothing, or at least very little, to do with the actual situation and is not directly dependent on anything that either the parents or the children may do or may not do, and this is comforting to parents. It does not mean that their children love them less. Now, the conflict is based on an inescapable psychological opposition. It is the necessity of the young to escape from the tyranny of the old. The parent's hand is needed to steady the child, while it is unable to stand firmly on its own feet or guide its own steps. But as the child grows older, it must learn to walk alone. If the mother persists in holding out a hand, never lets the child fall down. She destroys the proper independence, and the hand held out too long is used to satisfy the mother's selfish desire. To give her the pleasure she gains from the child's dependence on herself, and not because of any need of the child for help. You will see the application of this illustration. Many mothers prolong the years of childish helplessness and absence of initiative because they do not want their children to grow up. Especially, they check the boy's or the girl's independent feelings and impulses by persistently guiding them. There is an immense but unusually unrecognized selfishness. In the apparently devoted parent, such devotion ignores the right of the young to discover for themselves. The separation between parent and child needs to be more than a mere separation in space. Sending a boy or a girl away to school or elsewhere does not separate it from the home ties. Often, such a separation but serves to bind them more fixedly. What is needed is a psychological separation, an emotional freedom from the too crippling dependence of childhood. There is the need to take home standards and compare them with other standards of the world. The getting rid of the old excessive reverence for the parents. They too must be criticized and judged. This process of liberation is difficult and very painful to the child. That is why so often there is rebellion and unkindness. And the danger is greater because, at this period, the boy or the girl is so easily discouraged, turns back so readily with kindness to the old safety. And if this is countenanced by the parents who continue to offer a too protective affection, the character of the boy or the girl is weakened so that in after years, they will not be able to meet the necessities of adult action. The too fond mother or father perpetuates the childhood of their sons and daughters. They are a far more real danger to their children than neglectful or careless parents. It is worthwhile considering some of the reasons why parents do too much for their children, are too careful to keep them bound to the home and within the protection of parental love. The parents who have failed in satisfying their own desires seeing their children a new opportunity They hope for vicarious satisfaction, and for this reason, rather than for the reasons of unselfish love, which they believe rule their conduct, they will sacrifice themselves so that their children may achieve what they have failed in gaining. They are to hand down and maintain their name, to keep in the world their family, and all that seems of value in themselves, all that would be lost by their approaching extinction. If we stop to think, we shall see how common and easy it is for parents to use their children as instruments of satisfaction. Whenever one or other parent is unhappy, suffering under some unsatisfied desire, they seek to satisfy these desires to their children. Do we not know that the wife, and sometimes also the husband, not happy in their own marriage, concentrate their hopes of a satisfying life on their children? The mother wants her daughters to be literally, wholly devoted to her. She loves again in her love for her sons or the father compensates himself with his devotion to his daughters while he seeks to satisfy his desire for power by completely directing the life of his sons. All this is quite wrong. It breaks the power of the young, turns them into dutiful automatons instead of rebellious adventurers. Constantly thwarted, too much protected, they become necessarily less capable of effort with a weakened power for action. The model boy or girl of parents and schoolmasters is almost always a failure Such parents love their children too selfishly and too possessively. Seeking emotional relief, they drain for themselves the storehouse of energy which their children ought to preserve for their own lives. The danger is deep and far-reaching. A too great and unhealthy attachment to either parent may, and often does, cause an inability to transfer an adequate share of loyalty and affection from the parent to the wife or husband. It may check the desire to marry. The man's choice of a life partner is guided by an infantile version of his idolized mother. And then, after marriage, he will seek from his wife the feelings of a mother. That is, he will want to be helped and mothered instead of wishing to guide and protect. This is a very frequent cause of unhappiness in marriage. Strange as this may seem, the true Juan Juan owes his incapacity to find satisfaction and love to the fact that he searches unconsciously for what he can never find, the lost features of his childhood mother. He is unfaithful to all women because he is faithful to one woman. Again, the girl may feel towards her husband as she did towards her father. She may be too obedient, too uncritical to be a true helpmate, or, and in this is much more serious, a too excessive identification with the mother may render difficult and even impossible the right response to love. It is not too much to say that whenever there is this over-attachment and persistence of the childhood attitude, or where the conflict to break from the too heavy tyranny is very severe, the whole career and whole of history, Of the adult life is settled and decided, damned and fated to disaster from the start. Indeed, the seed of failure, of unhappiness, even of crime and vice, often is set in helpless children by the selfishness and ignorance of over affectionately helpful parents, whose too much interference, too much emotional solicitude, blocks the narrow passes that lead on to open and independent life. End of chapter 8.